I'm going to start a series tonight about how that you and I have been redeemed from the curse of poverty and lack. So we're going to talk about this because you, as you sit here right now, the Bible is really, really clear that you've been redeemed from the curse of poverty and lack. That was part of the curse of the law. The curse of the law was threefold. When, when man sinned, what happened? They died spiritually, right? The curse of the law was released into the earth. Spiritual death was a result. Sickness and disease was a result. And poverty and lack was a result. And you and I have been redeemed. That means we were purchased out of it once and for all, and we were put in the kingdom of God. So the purpose of me teaching this is so that you can learn how to prosper, right? Because to learn, see, it's more than just looking at a verse and believing God for finances. You have to completely get to a place where you completely unhook from the world system and learn how to operate in God's system, okay? We're going to talk about all of these things. You got to know that you know that you know that God, he has no plan for you to be in lack or to be in poverty in any way. No, but here's the other end of that. The prosperity that he has for you is beyond your ability to make money. Everybody has a different ability to make money based on education, their jobs, what, right? What God's called them to do. But your lifestyle is not to be based on what you make. Because if it ever is, which I'm looking at a lot of people, and, and, and you got to be, if you're, if you're honest with yourself, you're going to be like, yeah, well, my whole life, I'm just, I base everything on what I make. But God wants to help you unhook from that. Because the blessing of God makes you rich, right? Rich, a full and overflowing supply. Not just enough for you, but enough for you to be in such abundance that you no longer live your life worried about your needs, that you don't even think about them anymore. You just thank God that they're met, and now you are living out of the desires of your heart which will engage you in God's plan and purpose for your life. It'll take a lot more money than you could ever make to fulfill the plan of God for your life. To make all you need to supply for your family, to make all that you need to yield all your fruit in your season, right? To, I mean, who knows how much God has for you to sow into the kingdom of God? Could be millions and millions of dollars, and you're like, well, are you kidding me? I don't. I don't, I, I've never, nobody in our family history has ever been a millionaire and all this other stuff. And, 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 but what if, what if God has called you to sow $20 million into Kenya or China or India or, you know, who knows? But I'm telling you, you've got to renew your mind. You have to prepare for the wealth that God has. So I want to teach you on these things. We're going to talk about a lot of things and how to lay hold of it. I will say this, poverty and lack, they are spirits. They are demonic forces. 
And until you mess with them, they will never stop messing with you. Okay? They are under your feet. The power of poverty and lack has been broken off your life. So, as you hear teaching about finances in church, right? Or wherever you go, you have a right and you have a responsibility to question the motivation of anyone who's teaching you these things. And this is why I'm teaching you these things, right? I have a compensation committee on our board. They set my salary within IRS guidelines. Whether you give, whether you don't give, I don't make any more money. Does that make sense? So my motivation is not to get you to give money. My motivation is for you to prosper, right? A lot of teaching on money, it comes from ministers who take up offerings, right, for monetary gain. Now, whether their motives are right or whether their motives are wrong, that's between them and the Lord, right? But as we get into this, you know, you have a right and a responsibility to question the motives, What's really cool about pastoring this church for 17 years, I think everybody would probably say that Jeanette and I are not out for the money, right? You know, that's, that's, uh, that's not why you do ministry. Now, that kept me from ministry for a long time because I'm like, I saw some pastors really struggling and I'm like, man, you know, how am I going to ever take care of a family and do all this stuff and follow God? And, you know, I'm going to go, I'll, I'll go teach the pastors group at Rama, the third-year pastors in March. They're going to be graduating in two years, and a lot of them are going to be like, wow, how am I going to follow God's plan for my life? Because how am I going to do that monetarily? You have to renew your mind because you're going to prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. You're not going to prosper and be in health based on your education. It's as your soul prospers right? Paul gave more warnings about ministers preaching the gospel for monetary gain than any other warning in his writings. Wow. So what's really cool is we will rid our church of people that stay up late at night and watch preachers that tell you, listen, the, the blessing of Boaz is upon me, and if you give me money, then that same blessing will come on you. And, and send me, send me money, and I'll send you a sock. And as you wear this sock, don't buy into that stuff. Freely we have received, freely give, right? This is so very important that we, that we watch this. So excess in the prosperity message happens when the focus is on what you can do for the individual. Be real careful. That individual could be you or it could be a minister. You, we, don't, we don't give so that we can get. We do so because of a heart of thanksgiving for all that God has done for us. And because faith pleases him, we expect a return because we know God wants to bless us. But we never, ever, ever seek the money. The Bible is very clear on that. You seek the Lord 
the blessing of God will overtake you. So as we sit here tonight, every one of you as Christians, man, I could feel your hunger tonight. This is really cool. This blesses me. Um, but all of us as Christians, you've been redeemed from the curse of poverty and lack. You've been bought out of it. It took the blood of Jesus to redeem you from that. You're in the kingdom of God. There is no, there is no poverty. There is no lack in the kingdom. The curse, you've been redeemed from the curse. So we have to believe God's word, obey it, and walk in God's word so that this curse that we've been redeemed from that's in the earth cannot mess with us anymore. A lot of Christians are living in the curse that they've been redeemed from because they don't know, right? Preaching about money makes people mad, right? And to, to that I say, well, just grow up, right? The teaching, see, many of the, many of the teachers that are teaching on prosperity, they're teaching right principles, and, and I would say the majority of them have a right heart. That's between them and the Lord. But, but you got to question the motivation. And you receive the word. You eat the hay. You leave the sticks, okay? So I just that's kind of a disclaimer. So let's turn to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. You know, before we go to Romans chapter 10, I want to, we talk about being redeemed from the curse of the law. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Go there. Galatians 3.13, it says this. I'm just going to jump a little bit ahead and then go back. You know me, I might say the same thing three or four hundred times. So in, in Galatians 3, in verse 13, it says, Christ hath, past tense, redeemed us from the curse of the law. How did he do that? He was made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Verse 14, why did he do that? That the blessing of Abraham, the blessing of Abraham was a material blessing. There's no way it was a spiritual blessing because Abraham was spiritually dead, right? It was a material blessing that the blessing of Abraham might come on what? The Gentiles through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith. So this is the, the curse of the law. We've been redeemed from it. Now, Deuteronomy chapter 28. Let's go back there. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1. And we're going to come back and fill in some blanks. This series will renew your mind. It will help you unhook in every way from the world system. And I'm telling you, this area... When you learn this, or I should say this, when you discern this, the freedom that comes into your life, it's amazing. So let's look at this. Look at the picture. Now, a lot of people say, well, Deuteronomy 28 is our covenant. Deuteronomy 28 is not our covenant. Deuteronomy 28 gives us the blessings of obeying the word of God obeying the covenant, the byproduct of those that obey and, and have the covenant, and it lists the curse, the curses if you don't obey it, okay? So look at this. I'm just going to read the first 13 verses to you to just give you kind of a picture. Now, you got to understand, this is 
old covenant. Our covenant is much better than this. Okay? So it says, and it shall come to pass, if you shall hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, that's never changed, right? It says here, to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command you this day, that the Lord thy God will set you on high above all the nations of the earth. A blessing. That's prosperity. He sets you on high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come on you and overtake you. This word overtake means they shall catch you from behind. They overtake you, which means you are not seeking them. You are seeking what? Harking diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to do what he said. You're, you're pursuing God and these blessings will overtake you. It doesn't say they might overtake you. It says they shall come upon you and overtake you if you'll hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. You could say it as a New Testament believer, if you hearken unto the voice of the word of God. Right? Same thing. You can't separate God from his word. Blessed will you be in the city Blessed will you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body and the fruit of your ground and the fruit of the cattle, the increase of your kind and the flocks of your sheep. Notice what I want you to see here. It's increase, 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 increase. That's why the path of the righteous is one of increase. 2024 is, should be your greatest financial year that you've ever had. The more you renew your mind to this, the more the boundaries come off, the more God will be able to bring into your life. Okay? It says here, blessed shall be your basket and your store. You could say it this way, blessed will be your checking account and your savings accounts and investments. Right? Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. In other words, you're just blessed. Okay, the Lord shall cause your enemies that rise up against you to be smitten before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. In other words, the blessing is victory. And when you think of enemies, think of principalities, because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Powers, rulers of the darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. They'll come against you one way, but they will flee seven ways. Sounds a lot like I submit myself to God, I resist the devil, and he flees as in terror. Right? So let's keep going. The Lord shall command, this is God's part, the Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses, and in all that you set your hand unto, how would you like God to be commanding the blessing upon everything you set your hand to? I just, that just gives me, I mean, I, th I think about pastoring, that the God of heaven is literally commanding a blessing upon what I do as a pastor. Upon what I do as a husband, a father, a grandfather, everything I set my hand to. Wow. I love that. Look at this. 
And he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God gives you. You're going to notice this. The blessing of God is in the land that he has you in. That's why it's very important. Be careful changing geography. Because you've got to be in the land. Be very careful for those of you watching online. God wants you planted in a church. Not any church you decide in the one he plants you in. Everything starts with that. We're going to talk about that. Because I'm telling you, faith comes by hearing, right? And how could you hear without a preacher? And how could he even preach if he's not sent? And based on what you hear is what you're going to believe and act on. So if you better be hearing the right thing, right? And I got to tell you, God calls people like me to preach the word of God that he directs, not what I want, but what he wants, right? Thank God. What a wonderful ride that is. So here it is. The Lord shall, I'm going to read that again. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses and all that you set your hand unto. He'll bless you in the land which the Lord thy God gives you. The Lord shall establish you a holy people unto himself. He has sworn unto thee if thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk and walk in his ways. See, this is why we've got to wean we got to get weaned off of the world's ways. The world is like, you work and then I pay you based on that. Right? And if I want to increase, I got to keep and I got to, right? But God's ways, do you want to increase? You got to sow. It's completely different. Do you know God's ways, he wants to unhook you from the Babylonian system of the world. That means no debt. Well, pastor, I could never afford a house because I don't make enough money. What does that have to do with it? Amen. Now, that makes no sense until you wean yourself off, right? Well, I, you know, with interest rates going what they are, who cares what interest rates are if you pay cash for the house? Right? Now, now that'll tell you where you are because that kind of tilts you, right? Because, wow, you know. Houses are, are getting real expensive and all this other stuff. And, but no, no, we, we got to get our eyes off all that stuff, get our eyes on the Lord, renew our mind with his word, and learn to walk because God wants to hold you up and show the world how good he is. Okay? Hallelujah. It says the Lord, well, let me go on. Verse 10. And all the people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. This word afraid means, it really more accurately would be read like this, and they shall have respect for you. And the Lord shall make you plenteous in goods, in the fruit of your body, in the fruit of the cattle, in the fruits of your ground, in the land which the Lord swore unto thy fathers to give thee. The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven to give rain upon the land in its season, to bless all the work of your hand, and you shall lend unto many nations, and you shall not borrow. And the Lord shall make you the head and not the tail. You'll be above only and not beneath. Wow. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? If 
that you will hearken. This means to hear and obey. If you'll hearken, wow, unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day to observe and to do them. So we, everything is based on covenant. So you say, well, where is the covenant? So let's, let's go to just real quick, Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but I, I want to give you guys a taste. Genesis chapter 12. Now Abraham is around 75 years old. It says, now the Lord had said unto Abram, Abram, this is uh, Genesis 12, 1, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show you. Now this is talking about the blessing of Abraham. We don't teach on this when we teach on biblical prosperity, but this is the foundation. What God was doing, uh, this is our part here. Our part is to separate ourselves from the world system way of thinking and way of living. To completely separate ourselves from that paradigm. I pray that this series, if you'll take these scriptures and start meditating on them, it'll start, it'll start expanding you, right? It'll start, it'll start doing some crazy things. You'll start seeing things that you've never seen before. All things become possible. But you got to get out of your country, out of your house, the way it always has been. You got to let all that go. You got to let go of the poverty mentality if you grew up in that. If you grew up in wealth, you've got to get rid of the wealth mentality that, that the world says. It's all about what I've done. No, no, no. We're not talking about what you do. We're talking about what God does. Because God hasn't called you to do, his, to do your ability. He's called you to, to literally line up and walk out his plan for your life so that you operate according to his ability. You know, some careers, man, they demand that you work hours and hours and hours. And I'm telling you, God can give you success while you still have a quality of life. I don't know what the deal is, what your deal is, but it doesn't matter. We know the end result. This is what God has for you. Get out of your father's house. Go to the place that I will show you. And, it's, and then he says in verse 2, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee. This is the blessing of Abraham. And I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. That's the, that, is, that is the covenant summed up. The blessing of Abraham, which literally you've been given it, but as you act on the word of God, it will come upon you. Okay? The blessing of Abraham, I will bless you. Well, we have a lot of scriptures that say, the blessing of the Lord maketh rich. Read about Abraham one chapter later, and God made Abraham rich in, in material stuff. Abraham's servant, 
when he's going to get a, a wife for his son, told, told her mom and dad, hey, listen, God made my master rich, right? Abraham takes his men, goes and conquers three kings. King of Sodom wants to give him some of the spoil, and he's like, no, I don't want anything from you because I don't want anybody to tell me that, that they made Abraham rich because God made me rich. God says, I will bless you, and I'll make your name great. That's the second part of the blessing of Abraham. That means he will increase your influence on the earth. Your, in, your influence in the earth has to be increased for you to yield all of your fruit in your season. Why is he going to bless you and make your name great? So that you will be a blessing. You're to be a, a storehouse of blessing for others. But if you're up to here with your own financial life, you, you can't think that way. But oh, if you'll renew your mind. If you'll renew your mind to it. So that's where we're going. We've got we've to unhook from this world system and, and embrace God's way. So Romans chapter 10, in verse 13, we kind of mentioned it earlier. I'm going to read it again. It says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, they'll be saved. But how shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? In other words, you can't call or act on something that you don't believe. Does that make sense? You, if you don't believe that God wants you blessed, how can you act on that? You know, people go to churches, and sometimes when they become, quote, members, right, they got to sign on the dotted line that they will tithe. No, we don't do that here. Whether you give millions or you give nothing, you get all the pastoral care, because that's between you and God. Amen. Does that make sense? Yes. See, the reason why somebody doesn't honor God in their finances is because they simply don't believe what the Bible says. They might not know or if they've heard it, they just don't believe it, right? So, so, but they, see, how can you call or act on something if you don't believe? And then it goes on to say, and how shall they believe in him in whom they've not heard? So in other words, there's a whole bunch of Christians that don't honor God in their finances and live according to God's system because they've never heard how. They've never learned, even heard what it is. Right? I mean, when we were with Tony Cook, who was just here, and, and 32 other ministers, Rick and Denise Renner and a bunch of our pastors in California, we just had a great time in Greece and Turkey going on, on the travels of Paul, right? There was a monastery that was built in the mountains. It took 600 years to build it. These monks wanted to, they lived in caves, they had to have to climb up this cliff, live in a cave. I mean, I don't even know how they built this stuff because they took a vow of poverty. And they thought they were being spiritual. Why? They never heard. They heard religion. Could you imagine? God's called me to be a pastor, so now I'm going to go be a hermit and not talk to anybody. <laughs> Could you imagine what that would look like standing before Jesus? I'd be like, Lord, I live this holy life. I mean, I prayed every day. I got in the word every day. And he's like, yeah, and you didn't do anything I called you to do. Right? 
What, where does that nonsense come from? It comes they haven't even heard. Right? And how shall they hear without a preacher? I love that verse. That's a great verse. As your pastor, this is why I don't preach what I want to preach. I got to preach what God wants preached. And then, I mean, come in here tonight. Every, every time I minister, Lord, I thank you for the anointing within me. I thank you for the anointing that is upon me in the person of the Holy Spirit. I humble myself under your mighty hand. I ask that you would stir that anointing. It's hard to say this. So that it turns me into an entirely different person so that you can minister through me to your precious people. Why? Because how can they hear without a preacher? Things will be said in this series that might birth a business in your life. Technology. The Holy Spirit will be talking to you very specifically about your life. Things that you need to make adjustments in. Things that you need to let go of. Things that you need to embrace. Thought processes that you need to get rid of. Thought processes that you need to embrace. He'll be talking to you. But then here's the kicker. How shall they preach except they be sent? See, a lot of preachers, they preach, but were they sent? Does that make sense? This is very important. You must hear the truth to believe. You must hear the truth to believe and act on the truth. Then if you jump down to verse 17, you guys all know this verse. So then faith cometh by this Greek word by is the Greek word ek. So then faith comes out of hearing. I'm glad when it talks about end time prophecy, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, didn't say dia, which means through. He said ek, which means out of. We won't go through the tribulation. We will be taken out of here before the tribulation that's a that's cool well this word ek so then faith cometh out of, out of or faith comes from hearing and hearing by different greek word this is the greek word dia and hearing this this word dia means through what is how does hearing come it comes through the word of god so you have the word when you hear the word, hearing actually comes from, it comes through the word. And then faith comes out of hearing. So if you don't hear the right things, you can't believe the right things. And it's impossible to have faith. Does that make sense? So this is why this is now, the, I'm just kind of laying a foundation here. There's some principles. So let's talk about God's word and in relation to money. See, God's talking to somebody right now. I could hear the ringing, right? So let's talk about God's word and money. Do you realize 16 of the 38 parables Jesus taught were about money and money management? 16 of the 38. God's word talks about faith and believing 272 times. It's a lot. Notice how we talk about faith and believing a lot, don't we? It talks about praise 
371 times. I wonder if praise and worship is important. It talks about love 714 times. Wow. Right? It talks about finance, finances and giving 2,162 times. You think that's important to God? Why? He's a good father. He, you're here on assignment. You're not employed. You're deployed. Right? Well, I'm retired. Yeah, you're deployed. You are really in full-time ministry. Right? Man, you meet some of these guys and ladies that are, that are retired then that God has blessed. They've served God their whole life. Man, they go to Bible studies all the time. They get equipped, 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 equipped. And, you know, it's amazing. It's amazing. We must renew our mind to wealth. Is this okay? So let's look at another scripture. Let's go to 3 John, because it's on my license plate. 3 John 2. 3 John 2. Because this is a big key. We're talking about renewing our minds to wealth. Really, it's, it's, it's the renovation of your thinking so that your life could be transformed. 3 John 2, it says this, Beloved, I wish, well, John wasn't wishing, that Greek word means pray. Beloved, I should read like this, Beloved, I pray above all things. So think about this. This is John. He started following Jesus when he was like 13 to 16 years old. He had been walking with the Lord. He walked with him three, three and a half years, face to face. And then, he, then after that, so he was probably 19 at the latest, maybe 19 and a half. Now he's in his upper 80s. So like 70 years later, he says, Beloved, I pray above all things that you may prosper. This word prosper means that you may be granted a prosperous journey, that you may lead by a direct and easy way. Do you know prosperity makes your life easy? This word prosper means to make prosperous. This word prosper means to be given success. You want to be successful? If you do it, the world could call you successful. But when you stand before Jesus, success is going to be based on, did you do what I called you to do? Right? It says, beloved, I pray above all things that you would prosper and be in health. This means to have sound health. To be well in your body, to be in good health. Beloved, I pray above all things that you may prosper and be in health. And then here's the kicker, the disclaimer, even as your soul prospers. In other words, your physical health and your financial health is going to be based on how you prosper in your mind, your will, and your emotions, your soulish realm. So, pastor, how in the world do I prosper in my soul? That's, that's a great question. Henry, thank you for thinking about asking that question, right? I think, I, although I think you probably know the answer to that, right? We're going to go to a scripture that will tell you exactly how to do that. 
See, you can write this down before we go to that scripture. Prosperity is a spiritual understanding that comes from God's word about what he has already done for you. Prosperity is a spiritual understanding that comes from God's word about what he has already done for you. Okay? Another great definition of prosperity is this. Prosperity is the ability or gives you the ability to tap into God's ability to meet every need, every desire, every want in your life. It's, it's literally the ability to tap into God's ability. It's not about how much you have, right? How much do you really have? Well, the Bible says you have everything that Jesus has, and Jesus has everything that God the Father has. So stop being worried about, our, can I own a house? You own the planet. Satan wants to keep you because he'll yell and scream and go, look at interest rates. Job salaries are going like this a little bit, but man, everything else is going like, right? Forget about all that. He blesses. He will command the blessing. Money is natural, isn't it? Money's natural, but it produces spiritual results. Do you know the money that we sow you sit here in Omaha, Nebraska, and you are literally reaching people in Asia, in China. Gary Crowell's going to be ministering. I have no idea. I mean, I love Gary. You know, everybody wants him. Mac Ham and all these guys want him to come preach when he's, when he's able to. And so we got a date. I didn't realize that I haven't preached the last two Sundays. And I realized when I was on vacation, oh my gosh, I don't know if I'll live. So pray. He's a little guy. I might just grab the Bible out of his hand and just go, right? No, I'm just teasing. But, you know, he's going to be here. But, you know, you're a part. Kenya, right? Around the world. Ministries. You can sit here and sow, and you will have that treasure in heaven. It's amazing. It's, it's really amazing. Money's natural. You, you just take it and put it in a bucket or, or hit a button on your phone. But it produces spiritual results. People get saved. People get healed. People's lives get changed, right? God requires you to do something natural. And then he turns it into something supernatural. You simply lay hands on the sick. And God heals them and they recover. You do, that's the way, that's just the way it works. So we just do this, we do our part, we do this natural part, but God does the spiritual part, okay? That means we just rest. I bring my tithe to the Lord. I sow offerings as he directs me, as, I, as, as, as I'm walking with him and I purpose in my heart. What does he do? As I bring my tithe and just give or bring that to the Lord, what does he do? He opens the windows of heaven. He does something spiritual, Something supernatural. Pours out a blessing, right? I'm telling you, you follow God this way. This is the only arena of anything where God said you could test him. That's amazing, right? You lay your hands on the sick. Don't ever feel the pressure. I've had people act, 
I've had pastors say to me, well, you lay hands on people? What if, what if they don't get healed? I'm like, that's not my deal. That's his deal. Right? Yeah, but what do people think? Oh, now we see the problem. You can't do what God, none of us can do what God's called us to do if we care about what people think. Right? Now we love people and we honor people. And, you know, I mean, we do that. We, we just walk in love. But we're never going to be moved by people. Right? As a minister, don't ever let the, you're all ministers, don't let the chaos in other people's life become the chaos in your life. Because you can't help them that way. you got to stay full. You can't give what you don't have. Does that make sense? All right, so now let's go to that scripture. James chapter 1 and verse 21. Man, I'm having a lot of fun. I'd have more fun if they could slow that clock down a little bit. James 1.21, how do I prosper in my soul? There is only one thing that will bring prosperity to your soul, and that is when you implant the word of God in your heart. Look at this. It says, James 1.21, wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. Wow. That means abundance of wickedness, evil. Just lay it aside, right? And receive with meekness. This means receive with a heart that is humble and teachable. And receive with meekness the engrafted word. This word engrafted means implanted. When the word, when you come to God, when you come to God, like to have ears to hear, you have to have a willingness to do whatever God says. If you're sitting and you're going, well, you know, I like this part, but I don't like this part, you're not hearing anything, okay? But if you'll, if you'll put the word first place and you receive it by being humble and teachable, and you allow the word to be implanted in your heart. How do you do that? Through meditating in the word of God. Saying it over and over and over until it goes from your head until it opens up on the inside of you and light comes. When that comes, when that word is implanted in your heart, look at what it says it does. Which is able to save your soul. Do you know every problem that you have is in your soul? Everyone. Your spirit is brand new. If you were abused sexually, physically, emotionally, do you know that wasn't, that the, your spirit is like, there's nothing, I'm whole. But in your soul, you've got those tapes, those videos, those HD, right? 8K sometimes if you let them play too much. Right? Do you know the implanted word will literally come out and wash over your soulish realm and literally pull that out? And you go from, I was physically abused for my whole life to where you can no longer touch it. It's gone. You remember, you have a, you have a recollection, but it, you can never feel what you felt. You're free. When God heals, he take, there is no scar. He makes it all new. All depression, anxiety, fear, all that stuff. Now, 
like depression, some of those things, there could be chemical imbalances that were a result of all this stuff, but God will heal your body too, right? But it says here, which is able to save your souls. This Greek word save, it literally means to restore to health, to make whole. Man, I've been bound and I've received wholeness in areas and wholeness is much better. God wants you whole. And the more you allow the renovation of your mind to happen, the more you implant the word of God in your heart, the more it will renovate your thinking and renovate your mind, the more your life will be transformed, the more you're going to be able to walk in the prosperity that God has provided for you, the healing and health that he's provided for you. The implanted word saves our soul. Don't ever let anger get the best of you. Don't let your emotions draw you away from that which is good. Right? We got to be careful. This verse is telling us to lay apart the distractions of this world and the desires of our flesh. Lay it apart. So, Continuing in the word of God is the key to renewing your mind with the truth of God's word. And that's what we're talking about because that is what will cause you to completely... See, you've already been removed from the power of darkness, the kingdom of darkness. You're already in the kingdom of God. You just have to realize and become more aware of what you are so you stop putting up with all this nonsense. Right? Romans 12, 2. It, it gives us a picture of, of James 1, 21. Romans 12, 2 says, and be not conformed. That means don't be fashioned like, don't be pressed into the mold of the world, but be transformed, be changed by the renewing or the renovation of your mind. Why? That you may prove. This means that you may determine by experience what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God? Three adjectives describing the one will that God has for you. But it's, it shows the progression of how you walk in the will of God for your life. You walk in it progressively as you renew your mind. Does that make sense? The renewing of your mind will change your thinking. Paul is saying that the renewing of your mind, it's the key to walking in victory. Right? So what do we do? We find our answer in the word of God. We renew our mind to it. And then what? We walk in the victory. That's it. You've heard me say that a million times, right? So reading God's word. Now we're reading through the New Testament. I hope you're following with us. If you're not, jump in there. Go to the website and jump in there tomorrow. We're reading a chapter Monday through Friday. We'll get through the whole New Testament this year. That's great. But it's not enough. You can't just read the word. You've got to renew your mind to the word. Okay? You've got to get God's word down on the inside of you. Why? So that you can reckon yourself to be what the word of God says you are instead of what the world or your circumstances are showing you. So this is so important that we know this. So Paul, in this verse, in Romans 12, 2, he's talking about a progression 
of walking in the will of God as you renew your mind to his word. And beloved, you will prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Okay? So the difference then between, pre- between being pressed into the mold of the world and being transformed by the renewing of your mind, the difference is who's going to change you. Right? Who's changing you? Is the pressure from the outside changing you? Or is the pressure or, or for the leading that's coming on the inside, is that changing you? Right? That's the whole game. So, you've heard me say this again. Spiritual growth happens when you align your soul to what your spirit already knows and sees from God's word. That's when you grow spiritually. You don't grow spiritually because you go to Bible school and you get a little piece of paper that says you have this kind of degree. You, you can get a PhD in, in Bible and not know anything. Because until you align your soul to what your spirit sees and knows from the word of God, no spiritual growth happens. Right? All right. You guys are kind of like. So let's, let's talk a little bit more about this. Go to Jeremiah chapter 29. I want to just kind of throw a few things out there of what God's word says about prosperity. You guys doing okay? Praise God. This is going to help you greatly. It's going to help you great. It's going to help all of us greatly. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. This word thoughts is the Hebrew word that means plans and purposes. For I know the plans and the purposes that I think toward you. This word toward means over you or upon you. Do you know God, his plans and his purposes are over you? They're just there. Yeah, but I just don't know what the plan of God is for my life. Well, just stop. Stop eating so much junk and start eating a healthy diet. And you'll, and you'll see you're made to be led by the Spirit of God. And if you're not seeing something, he'll, get, he'll bring somebody into your life. He'll send you to a teaching. He'll help you to see it. Right? For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord thoughts or plans and purposes of peace this is this word peace is shalom plans and purposes shalom of completeness of soundness of wholeness this is what the word shalom means of rest you know something else this word means of prosperity plans and purposes of prosperity do you know the word prosperity in all of this picture is the foundation? It's the main word in this word. Plans and purposes of shalom, health, favor, safety. Wow. And not of evil to give you an expected end. I love the New English translation of this. I don't know if we have that, but if we have that, let's put that up there. I love the way it says it. It's so simple, but so accurate. 
It says here, for I know what I have planned for you, says the Lord. I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Wow. I have plans to give you a future. Look at this, filled with hope. Do you know how many of our brothers and sisters are wondering, they're, they're actually thinking God is bringing this junk into our life. God has no evil plans for you. If it's not good and perfect, it's not from him. Right? So God spoke this verse to the children of Israel when they were in captivity in Babylon. They were slaves with no hope. Wow. See, think about this. The problem with bondage is it really changes. It creates a mindset when it goes on for a long time. If you're dealing with sickness for a long time, you could get into a mindset where you just start putting up with things. Same with poverty and lack. You just, you just kind of put up with it. You're always thinking about it, right? I'm telling you, the word of God will pull that right out of you and change it. Wow. Think of how that could help your family by just you walking in, a, in prosperity, in a mindset that God is good. Everything I put my hand to, I only put my hand to what he leads me to, and I know he's going to make me the head and not the tail. I'll be above only and not beneath. He blesses the work of my hands. Actually, he commands the blessing upon the work of my hands. Wow. Right? God spoke to them about his plan to prosper them. Don't ever, now as you're hearing this, we're all in different circumstances. Don't let your current circumstances stop you. Let the word of God lift your head up and get your eyes off the circumstances and on God so that you start to get some revelation knowledge of the word of God so that you start declaring your covenant so that it opens the door for God to come in and change your situation. Right? Psalm 35 Verse 27 says this, Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say, how often? Continually. Let the Lord be magnified, which takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Well, you want to know something? Do you think, this is Old Testament, you could read it like this, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his children. God is your father. He is your source. And he can get everything over to you that you need. Look at Psalm 23, which the 23rd Psalm is a picture of our life on this earth. It says in verse 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I love that. That Hebrew word shepherd means pastor. He is our great shepherd. He's my great pastor. I run to him, right? And because he's my shepherd, I shall not want. This Hebrew phrase, it just doesn't do it in English. It would be like yelling. The Lord is my shepherd and I don't lack. I don't fail, I don't diminish, and I will never lack, and I'll never fail, and I'll never diminish. 
You're just excited because, wow, he's my shepherd. That's, that's what this is saying. Verse 5, you prepare. That means you arrange and put in order. You work out all the details beforehand. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. What does that cause? My cup runs over. See, your cup is never to just be filled. It's to be running over because God's blessing is to increase your influence in the earth so that you can be a blessing. Right? I love that. Psalm 112, verse 1. It says, Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that fears the Lord. That means blessed is the man that reverences, honors, and respects the Lord above everything else in his life. That delights greatly in his commandments. Verse 3 says, Wealth and riches shall be in his house. God wants wealth and riches in your house. That's his plan for your life. Wow. So if you look and do an aerial view of Moses and the children of Israel, the land of Israel where they were slaves is a type of us before we were saved. It was a land of not enough. Okay? Then a type, the children of Israel coming out of Egypt is a type of us being born again. And the wilderness was a type, it was a land of just enough. Just enough manna. God always met their needs. It was a land of just enough. But God, that was only to be an 11-day journey. The promised land, which is a type of our inheritance, is a land of more than enough. This is a land where your barns are filled. And I mean, we could go through these scriptures. You're just like, wow, it's more than enough. The land of Egypt had to be watered with your foot. You had to, you, you had to crank with your feet and bring water in. But the promised land, it's not your job to water it, which brings the increase. God says, you obey me and I'll water it. It's a land of more than enough. It's a land where you rest and he waters. That's what we're talking about. Guys, I'm telling you, the world economy is not going to get better for the masses. Right? But it could get better for us because we're not tied to the world system. Right? The God of heaven who owns it all will take care of you. Right? So let me leave you with this. Wow, how can I leave you with this? Yikes. What do I want to leave you with? Hmm. Man, I'll tell you. Let me say this. God's system versus the world's system. God's system is based, based on faith. The medium of exchange in God's system is faith. The world system is based on money. The medium of exchange is based on money. When you put gas in your car, it costs you money. 
You can try to use faith, but they won't take that, right? Operating in God's system will cause you to prosper in the world system. This is the thing. The world system is designed to steal, kill, and destroy. But if you operate in God's system, it'll cause you to prosper in the world system. This is really good news. See, God is really, he's not after your money. He's after your heart. But if he can't get your money, he can't get your heart. Have you, did you notice? I'll just close with this. We're going to go into this more. But did you notice with Abraham? Because we're talking about the blessing of Abraham. Do you know God never asked him for money? Do you know he brought tithes, but God never told him he had to? Right? But God did ask him for his seed. Who was his seed? Isaac. Why did God do that? Because he knew if Abram... Now Abraham is willing to give him his seed. Then he has his heart. And he could bring everything else into his life. If God could get your seed, he'll have your heart. And he'll be able to get everything to you that, that he wants to get to you. We'll talk more about that. There's so much in that story. I love you guys so much. So good to be home with you. Man. Man, we're going to get into some great things. You know, I mean, on Sundays we're talking about, so on, on Wednesdays we're talking about prosperity and how God is good and he wants to be your provider. We're going to learn how to walk in that and renew our mind to this, how to unhook from the world system and hook up with God's system. Then we're going to come on Sundays and hear about the goodness of God. Then we're going to go from that and start to hear on Sundays about the glory of God. And then we're going to really dive into the grace of God. I'm telling you, we're going to scream from the rooftops, God is good because his mercy endures forever. And he loves you tonight. And he wants to come into your life and turn everything to look like what he says your life is to look like. And guys, we're living at the end of the church age. And we get all this together, so get ready for relationships. I think we all are. But I'm telling you, this is a year of incredible momentum. Things are going to move faster. We're going to do a lifetime of ministry between now and when we hear that trumpet. What would take people to believe God for 40 years, you're going to believe God for that maybe in a few months. It's just this time. And you're ready for it. Amen?